So currently we're in this series called Love God, Love People. And last week we had message number one. And I thought I would do a tiny, tiny recap for the people who weren't here. So Will, Pastor Will spoke about our gardens, our spiritual, emotional gardens that we have. And what are you investing in your gardens? What do you want to harvest? What do you want to gain out of your garden? But that also came with a bit of a... I wouldn't say a warning, but a challenge to say, stop focusing on the weeds in your garden. Because the more you focus on your weeds, the more they will grow. So he really advised us to just focus on giving your garden some water and nourishment and making sure your garden grows well. So we are going to uh, pick up from that today. And the title of my message is Reflection of Grace. The Reflection of Grace. So what we're going to look at is What are other people's garden all about? And how does that work? We're also going to look at if we should be focusing on their flowers and their plants and their fruits or maybe their weeds. We're going to look at what the Bible says and then we're also going to look at at the grace factor. So let's kick it off. Something I want to present to you today is that other people's gardens, man, It's so easy to focus on other people's gardens. It's easy to see what goes on in other people's gardens. It's easy to zoom in on their weeds, to see what's wrong according to your perspective, um, and we know what you think about it. But we need to function out of love when we look at other people's gardens. And that means we have to have a change in our focus, a shift in our focus, Instead of focusing on other people's weeds, we need to focus on other people's flowers and the fruit in their garden and all the goodness in their garden. You see, when we do this, we have a unique opportunity to actually water other people's gardens. And that will enable more growth in their gardens. And the moment we do that, we step into freedom. So what does that freedom look like? What is that all about? You see, when we are fixated on other people's weeds, it means it becomes our job to sort it out, right? We decide that we need to point out other people's weeds. Some of us feel like we have to pull out their weeds and we need to try and deroot their their weeds. And you know what? That keeps us busy because it's not an easy job. If it's not your garden and you don't have all the tools and you don't have permission to be there, it's not an easy job to do it. I also feel like that is the plan of the enemy because it keeps us busy. We're not focused where we should be focusing. And what that does, it drains us emotionally and physically. And that's not freedom. Something that, a concept that we really like teaching in this church is that we say, test everything by the fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit that it's bearing? So if something is emotionally draining you and physically and spiritually draining you, that means the fruit is not positive. It means there's something wrong with our focus point. It's also our responsibility to ensure that we focus on what we should be focusing. And that is people's fruit and their flowers and what's good in their garden, what's positive in their garden. We need to water that and move on. You 
You see, by the, the moment we focus on people's positive things, their, their fruit and their flowers, they will do everything in their power to maintain that garden. They will make sure that those flowers are great. You know, I look at Will, and he's got these amarulas in his garden, and that is like his pride and joy. It's these big, big red flowers. It's my favorite, and he grows them. And he does everything in his power to make sure it is the biggest the reddest, the most beautiful amaryllis because I like it and I always take so much pride in it. It brings me so much joy. So that's his focus point is to make sure that those flowers are the most beautiful in our garden. Now, if you were to come to my house and you would do a little bit of a closer inspection, you'll see that we don't really have grass. We just have weeds in the grass. It's a rental house and that's basically where it is. But when you pass the house, you'll just see all these beautiful pots of flowers until you come closer and you start investigating, then you'll see there's weeds. By focusing on fruits and flowers, we ensure that the person will do everything to keep their garden in the best possible state. You see, it's a natural consequence then. It will flower. The flowers will flower beautifully. The fruit will grow lusciously on the trees or on the vines. Why? Because that's where there's focus. That's where there's energy put into. And the weeds become less naturally. But I think, unfortunately, some of us are so focused on other people's gardens that we sadly neglect our own. So I want us to look at what the Bible says about this. So I've got some scripture up there, um, and you'll see I've taken the scripture, and I've broken, it's only two verses, but I've broken it into four or five sections, and we'll go through them um, section for section. So it starts in 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17. Oh, you'll see there that we use the Passion Translation. So I've been told many times that South Africans are quite passionate, and I think I'm very proud of it, and I also like the Passionate Translation for that reason. It really speaks to me, and it's like it's my kind of language. So this is the Passion Translation, but you can follow in any translation if you want to. It starts off by verse 17, and it says, the A part says, now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. The B part says, and wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. So I want to focus on the B part. And wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. Because you see, when the Holy Spirit is ruling and speaking and convincing us of truth, there is freedom. Why is that? Because he does the work. It's not our job to convince people to remove their weeds. It's not our job to fix other people's gardens. It's not our job. We need to stick to our own garden. It's his job. Wherever he is Lord, there is freedom. And then it goes over to verse 18. And the first part says, we can all draw close to him with a veil removed from our faces. Why is that? You see, there was separation in the Old Testament between us and God. But when Jesus died, the veil was torn and we could now have access to Jesus. And now that we've got access to Jesus, we can see who he is. We can get to know him. We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces. The second part says, and with no veil, we all become 
like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. And I want us to take note of that word reflect. I love that word. I'm not quite sure what word is used in the other translations, but this, this word reflect is just incredible. Because you see, if we stop focusing on other people's garden, then we will have more freedom and time to spend with him. And what happens when you spend more time with him? You become more like him. And you will be able to reflect him. So most of you know that I use the term intimacy quite a lot. And I've got a certain way of how I explain having intimacy with God. Intimacy is not only a physical, sexual thing, but it's an emotional intimacy as well. And what does that look like? If you're emotionally intimate with somebody, you know them. You know who they are. You know that what makes them tick and what makes them excited. You know everything about them. And the phrase I often use is, intimacy is into me, you see, or into you, I see. And you see, the more closer we get to God, the closer we move to Him, the more into Him I see, and the more I see who He is, and He sees into me, and the more I will reflect what He is about. Isn't that special? So one of my questions that I have here today is, what are, um, what are you investing your time in? Because you see, to get intimate with somebody means you've got to invest your time with that person, to get to know them, to get to that place. So what are you investing your time in, in your own garden? And it's like Pastor Will said last week, are you investing in your weeds? Or maybe you're not invested in your own garden. Maybe you're invested in the people around you, in their gardens, and in their flowers and their fruit, which is great. But maybe you're also investing in their weeds. And I wrote here, be careful what you invest your time in because it will consume you. You see, the moment we spend time in other people's gardens and we try and root all the weeds out of their garden, cross-contamination is almost inevitable. Because how many of you know that weeds, man, they grow anywhere. They just need a little bit of something and they multiply and they grow. So the more time you spend in somebody else's garden trying to pull out their weeds, I can guarantee you cross-contamination will happen And it won't be long and there'll be some weeds in your garden and it will consume you. The next section says, we are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. We are being transfigured. Not we are busy transfiguring other people. Not we are busy changing other people. We are being transfigured. You see, it's a thought process. It's that renewal of the mind concept. We have to change how we think because that will change how we react. When the Holy Spirit transfigures us, we move from one level of glory to another. Don't you think that's shouts of freedom? That's not restricting. And it's all because we draw near to him. We become more like him. 
You see, it's a natural process. It's not a man-made or a man-inspired process. I remember um, a while ago, 10 years ago, more or less, um, Will and I, we were in a really bad place in our life, and our marriage wasn't going well. Vincent was just born, and he was working away about 24 days in a month. So I had this little baby alone most of the time, and he would get home um, when Vincent was a toddler stage, and then Vincent wouldn't recognize him. Vincent wouldn't know who he was. So he would be upset about this guy entering our space, coming home for two days, and then taking all my time, which he felt what probably should have been his time, and he would cry if Will wanted to even pick him up. So we were in a bad space. And I remember I would go to Will and we would go out for dinner when he's home in those two days. And I would do my very best to state a really good case of why we need to get back to the Lord, why we need to change our life. This isn't working. We need to, we need to, we need to. This is going to be the benefits. Um, you know, we'll change our life. We've got a little son to look at. And then in the spot, he would say, yes, let's do it. I'll become, I'll, I'll pick up my responsibility of being the head of the house again. We'll do it. But did it last? It never lasted. Why did it not last? Because it wasn't a godly change from the inside. I try and forced him to make changes in his life that he didn't want to make. I was focusing on his weeds. Yes, it's, it's, it's quite the thing when your family is involved and you, know, you, you want to fight for your family because I've got a little child and I, would, I don't want us to ever break up. But you see, I was focusing so much on his weeds that it consumed me. I wasn't, there was no time for me to see, oh, maybe what could be the flowers in his garden or in my garden? We all just became this very, very contaminated forest, if I can always say, like a sick, we were all sick, a sick garden. Why? Because it wasn't a godly transformation. The verse then carries on and it says, And the glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And I I stopped by this because I thought, who is the Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit in this? And when you go look into the scripture, it actually says, He diffuses the fragrant aroma of Jesus Christ everywhere. Man, you see, when He works, the fragrant aroma, you'll smell Jesus in the midst. You'll see his works in the midst. He imparts life and he imparts righteousness, not us. But you see, the key factor is that it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. It's not us. He will impart it into others just like he imparted it to me and you. It's his job to do it and only he can do it. It's not our job to convince other people. So one of the things that I wrote down here that God told me is Christianity is not an action against other people and their behaviors. You see, it's not for us to cause condemnation in the world or our fellow believers. But rather, it's a reaction to the weeds we encounter and witness in our life and in people's life. You see, If we are transfigured by the Holy Spirit, then we will display his love to those people. But many of us feel that 
it is our job to condemn people and to noticeably or vocally show our disagreement or disapproval of their lives, of their garden. But that's nowhere in the Bible. You will find no scripture saying that we need to do it. So I want to challenge you today and I want to say, we live in a broken world full of broken people. This church, this church is broken. You know why? Because me and you, we're in it. We're all broken, right? We live in a broken world with broken people. And if we condemn other people, they won't draw near to God. Actually, it will push them away. So what did Jesus do? What did he model when he was on earth? If you read in the Bible, he was always sitting with the sinners. He was associating with them, socializing. Did he sin with them? No. But he was with them. So if he was condemning them or vocally saying or showing his disapproval of their sin, of their life, of their weeds, would they have ever welcomed him for dinner and for lunches? No, they would have chased him away because who wants to be that person who invites somebody that's going to make you feel horrible about your life? None of us wants to be that. And none of us will do that. We won't invite those people into our homes. Yet Jesus was always invited. He was welcomed by the sinners. You see, there's a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is what we cause cause in people to make them feel bad. And we hope to get them to change. But conviction is something the Holy Spirit does within us. And He does the work. So what did Jesus do to reach them? He had a public display of the reflection of God's love for the other people. A public display of the reflection of God's love for other people. So when I wrote this, I thought about my children. Man, they can upset me. Sometimes they just know how to tick me off. And then I'm upset with them and they can infuriate infuriate me at times but then they go to sleep at night and then when I pass their rooms and I want to go give them a kiss they're like these little angels and they're so sweet and I love them so much and I want to cuddle them while they sleep and all of a sudden everything is lost why why does that happen it's because of love it's because we love them so much that doesn't matter how wrong they were I might have been rightfully upset with them Because they might have been really naughty. But because I love them so much, I forgive them. My love for them doesn't become less. It doesn't change us. And that's what God does. It doesn't matter how many weeds we have in our garden. God's love for us doesn't change. And it doesn't matter how many weeds somebody else have in their garden. Our love for them shouldn't change because we should reflect the same love that God has for us, that Jesus has for us, we need to reflect to them. The moment we get that right, we show them grace and mercy. The same grace and mercy mercy that we were shown. You know what else it does? It ensures those people actually grow. Because the moment you start focusing on people's flowers and their fruit, Man, they take pride in it. It will grow. 
So there's a scripture. I don't have it on the screen, it's, but you can write it down. Luke 10 verse 2. And in the scripture, Jesus actually calls um, the Holy Spirit the Lord of the harvest. The Lord of the harvest. Why? Because it's his job to recruit, to transfigure, to change people. But sometimes we think it's our job and we put it on our shoulders. And the sad thing is the moment we start poking at other people's weeds and we start and we try to get them to pull it out or we just try and pull it out for them, we actually prevent the Holy Spirit of getting a harvest. We stand in his way to do the job. I did a a couple of months ago, I did a message on ungodly mediation. If you weren't here, I would strongly advise you to download it and listen to it because this is a very similar concept. The moment we take on God's job or the Holy Spirit's job on our shoulders and we decide we need to execute it, we are busy with ungodly mediation in a sense because we are doing his, we are trying to do his work for him, but then we just prevent it. The band can come up, please. So then what can we do? We can focus on our own gardens. And we can water our own plants and our own flowers. And we can water other people's flowers and plants, not their weeds. And we can reflect God's love on people. You see, the moment you start watering a plant and there's some fruit or flowers that comes up. What happens with that fruit and that flowers? New seed is formed. And then that falls into the ground. And we come and we water it, and people water their own garden. And the new plants come up. And then again, there's new flowers, there's new fruit. So it's expanding, it's becoming bigger, the garden is growing. And before you know it, the weeds are gone. They've been worked out. But the key thing to remember is that it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. It's not our doing. What does God expect from us? He expects from us obedience to Him. That's all. And what does that obedience look like? Love. Love other people. Love like I have loved. It's actually very uncomplicated. Because I think one of the main things to take away here today said plainly, it's just keep out of other people's gardens. It's quite as easy as that, right? Just keep out of other people's gardens. Um, Unless you're watering it in a positive way. The moment we can show love to other people, we show God's grace to them. And we are all here by grace. And I'm going to pray for us first. Because some of us, it's really hard. It's really hard when, you, when all you can see is other people's weeds. Sometimes it's really obvious and it stands out. Sometimes it's not. And sometimes when you're confronted with other people's weeds, it's hard to make the choice in the moment to say, I'm not going to focus on this. I'm not going to judge them for this. I'm not going to throw them away for this. What I'll actually do is I'll love them. I love them despite of their faults. I love them despite of their weeds. Isn't that a true reflection of God? That's what He does with us every single day. So why don't we close our eyes and I'll start praying for us.
God, you are uncomplicated. All we have to do is we need to focus on you and our own garden and you will do the rest. God, some of us need to change our focus from other people's weeds and from our own weeds. We need our minds to be renewed, Father. And I want to ask you that you will show us ways to actively focus on you, how we can get closer to you and how we can water our own garden. God, we are all broken. And I want to ask today that you will please come and heal us. If there are some weeds that we need to sort out, God, that you will show us with grace and mercy that we will take note of it. But God, also help us so we can water our flowers and our fruit, Father God. Help us to reflect you and your love and your mercy in all situations. God, one of your biggest commandments is to go out and make disciples. That is the commandment you've given us. And I ask you, Father God, that you will guide us in this process, that when we go out to make disciples, that we don't scare them away or we don't condemn them, Father, but that we invite them into our space, Father God, that we can be a reflection of your love to them, Lord God. start worshiping now and I really want to ask you to while Nikki sings to take a moment and to connect with God to say God what do you have for me do you see my flowers do you see my fruit God how can I water them so they multiply in my life God I don't want to focus on the weeds. Forgive me, God. Forgive me that I have focused on the weeds. Forgive me that I've pointed out or tried to deroot other people's weeds when it's actually been your job. God, I cannot do it better than you. You are the God Almighty. You are the healer. It's all up to you, Father God. And I really want you to connect with God in that way. And if you want more prayer, I'll open the altar and you can come out at any point through the worship don't have to, it doesn't have to be about this, it can be for anything in your life. But I'm going to open this space as well because I I believe God wants to touch people here today because some of you, yes, there's weeds in your garden, but man, do you have fruit. And God wants you to see that fruit. You are worthy. You are good enough. Your fruit is on like on par. So don't worry about the weeds. God's got that. He will sort that out in your life.